Welcome to the Relentless Grace Podcast. This church has left the building. Your host is Pastor Paula Mamel. Welcome to Relentless Grace, a podcast for people who are seeking an authentic, unbridled faith connection with Jesus that is relevant in the 21st century. Whether you have been bruised by organized religion and walked away, or are still engaged but looking for a way to deepen your spiritual journey, Relentless Grace is a podcast to connect with your spirit. Each week, I try to make connections between the timeless Word of God and the reality of our everyday lives through reflections on the Word and ways to implement your faith in your daily life. This show is seeking to provide a re-communion of seekers, doubters, stayers, and leavers with the power of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a congregation. This church has left the building. Today on Relentless Grace, we continue our journey through the Shepherd's Psalm, but there's a shift in the psalm. In the first part of the psalm, it focuses on God as Good Shepherd. But at verse 5, suddenly God becomes the host, the one who is bringing us to a feast and who is focusing on us as we walk with God and follow the Good Shepherd. Today, the passage that we're going to focus on is, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the show is going to focus on what it means to acknowledge that we have enemies and what it means to not give the enemy a seat at our table so that we are able to focus on a God who has prepared for us an incredible feast and who will be faithful to us as we follow our Good Shepherd. I hope you enjoy the podcast. A reading from Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Holy One, who is good, whose mercy endures forever. I called on God in my distress. God answered my prayers. God is with me. Therefore, I'm not afraid. Whatever happens will happen. God will be at my side. I will be strong. People are fickle. Society, not very helpful. God is always present. And all my fears and foolishness that buzz and swarm in me like bees, with God's help, I will calm them. For God is my strength and my song and my salvation. Listen, songs of joy. I have been astray and missing the mark, but I did not die of it. Here I am. Open the gates of prayer for me. Let me enter and give thanks that this stone, which the builders rejected, has been shaped and put to use in the temple walls. On this day, God has acted. I rejoice and am glad. I give thanks to God who is good, whose mercy endures forever. A reading from Romans 12, verses 14 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. 
Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. David knew a thing or two about enemies. His whole life, really, was an unrelenting battle. In his early years, he was a shepherd, despised by his older brothers. Imagine being the youngest of eight brothers and then having them all have increased animosity toward you. The kinds of beatings that he took, I suspect, were many. And then, after he went from being King Saul's musician and truly one of Saul's favorites to becoming his enemy, David lived his life as a fugitive, hunted by King Saul, because King Saul knew that David had been anointed to be king after him, and so Saul wanted to kill him. When he became the king, He inherited a divided kingdom where rival tribes were filled with seething resentments and alienated by deep distrust. In later years, David suffered as his family was torn apart by cycles of abuse, violence, and death. At one point, David even had to flee for his life when his own son led a rebellion against him. Of course, we know that David was not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. The Bible tells stories of some of his worst sins, including raping Bathsheba and murdering her husband to cover it up. But David also repented and recognized the nature of his sin. And David knew and understood enemies without and enemies within. David is attributed to be the author of many of the Psalms, either in his role as king having commissioned them, or Psalms that he was said to have written throughout his life. And Psalm 23 is often called a Psalm of David. Today's text talks about having a table prepared in the presence of your enemies. And this is something that David knew a lot about. He doesn't just mention enemies here. As a matter of fact, dozens of the Psalms talk about enemies, being protected from your enemies. The Psalm that was read just before the sermon, Psalm 118, talks about the role of God protecting us from our enemies. So yes, David knew a lot about enemies. And today, as we look at this section of the Psalm, it's important to note that there is a sudden shift in the Psalm at this point. The first four verses are devoted to the Lord being the shepherd, the one who is guiding us, the one who is leading us. 
taking us through all of the challenges and providing us with rest and restoration for our life and taking us through those points of utter and complete darkness. But here there is a shift from the Lord as shepherd to the Lord as host. The Lord who is preparing a table in the presence of one's enemies. And the meaning for feast or meal here is a provision of sustenance, that God gives provision in a lavish form, right in the midst of our troubles, right in the midst of our enemies. What that provision is can be many things. It can be comfort, can be rest, friends, heartfelt peace, honest co-workers, food, a good place to work, a family that loves you, or hope, hope for another day. This psalm is about trusting God in the midst of difficulties and challenges and trusting that God will take care of us, will provide us with a feast, and will defend us from our enemies. And so today I want to focus on what it means to trust God when we have those who are against us and how we need to avoid giving the enemy a seat at our table. See, David is trusting that in the midst of all of the things that are happening to him, that God will take care of him. That the God who is with him in that valley of the shadow of death is the God who will provide those things that he needs in order to thrive in life. A table in the presence of our enemies. This means trusting God in the darkness, but also not getting so wrapped up in an attack on our enemies, but rather letting God be the one who defends us. Now, I need to make a disclaimer here. What I'm about to talk about is not giving enemies and those forces and things that are against us so much space in our head that we keep ourselves from living and enjoying life. But as I talk about that, I am not talking about taking steps if there is something wrong. If there's been an incident of sexual harassment at your workplace, it's a challenge. It's difficult, but you need to report it. If you're dealing with situations where there's been abuse, where there's been something that's been done that's wrong, it's important to reveal those things, to find the courage within yourself to take a step toward addressing them. But there is a difference between doing something active to engage with something that is wrong and giving that action all of your headspace, rather than trusting that God will provide if you follow God's path, if you walk along the way that's been set for you. So ultimately, this text is about doing what we can for ourselves but trusting in a God who will give us the strength and the courage and will let all things come to light. One of the reasons that David was successful in his own life was for two reasons. One was that he acknowledged when he made mistakes. He acknowledged his sinfulness, but he also trusted in the God who had made a promise to him. He trusted in the God who said, I will be with you in the valley of the shadow of death. 
I will walk with you. You are not in this journey of life alone. And so he defended himself, but he did not take vengeance. Our lives become confused and difficult when we focus on taking vengeance ourselves, when we give so much headspace to people and things that have done us wrong that we are not able to live our own lives. The text that was read from Romans is a fantastic text that talks about how we are called to live as peaceably as possible with others within the ability that we have to do that. See, when we focus our energy on attacking our enemies, then we have more trouble living our lives. In the Community Connection, I'm going to talk about being honest about those places where we need to name things in our lives. Because this is a hard thing. I know in my own journey that there are things that have happened that are unfair and wrong, and I have to move through them. That's part of life. When something unfair happens, you have to be able to process it. You have to be able to talk about it. You have to be able to rant about it. But then you need to move through them, just like the valley of the shadow of death. Getting stuck there and being filled with resentment keeps us from living the life that we are intended to live. That's giving the enemy a space at our table, in our headspace, and in what we do. When I have something happen to me that's unfair and I spend all of my time thinking about how much unfairness has been done to me and how wrong this was, how awful it is, then I get stuck in a place that keeps me from moving forward in my life and doing good things, from being able to feast in what God has already provided for me. When I focus that kind of space, I find that I am less able to do what I should be doing because I'm stuck in what happened. So when something unfair happens, do something about it and then move on. Don't stay there. I recently had a situation where I was kind of stuck. I was angry about something and I was giving it way more space in my life. And I had a friend say something to me about it. Just, you know, I got sick of hearing about it. And I'm thinking, hmm, that's fair. That's right. What am I doing in my own life when I'm giving that much space to a problem rather than moving through it? And I am not saying that we just have to totally avoid anything. There'll be things that'll come up in our lives that will remind us of unfairness that have been done for us. But there's a difference between passing through something and wallowing in it. Who is at our table? Who are we feeding? There's that old saying about the two wolves that are fighting for control of our soul, the one that is drawing us to those things that are life-giving and the one that is drawing us toward those things that are negative, and the one that prospers is the one we feed. Are we feeding the good things, the life-giving things, the transformative things? God will provide a place at the table for us. And God will let things come to light. In the end, that's who God is. But what are we doing within our own lives to claim the power we have to live our lives in the fullness that God desires? To feed those things that are good. 
that are pure, that are life-giving, that are worthy, because the more time we spend stuck and resentful and angry and not doing anything about it, the less we're actually able to do what we're called to do. David, who again was hardly a perfect paragon, was able to do what he did because he cried out to God, he expressed his frustration, but he continued to walk the path that he was intended to walk. And if God can work through someone who wasn't perfect like David, God can work through us. But who are we feeding? Are we trusting God to feed us? Or are we trying to take care of those things that drive us down? This psalm reminds us that we are called to place our faith, hope, and confidence in our Lord. In our Lord who will use us as we follow and who will feed us. Who are you feeding? How are you feeding it? And are you trusting that the table that has been prepared for you is full of good things, life-giving things, things that will sustain you? If we trust God in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the troubles, then we can trust that God will take care of the things that are wrong and allow us the ability to gain our energy from what God is giving us. The serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. When it comes to dining with God at this incredible table, when we can change things, we should. And when we can't, we should heed the words of Romans not inviting those forces that we feel are against us to dine with us, but rather treating everyone with goodness and mercy and love and trusting that God will feed us, sustain us, and guide us. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long perfect submission perfect delight visions of rapture now burst on my sight Angels descending bring from above Echoes of mercy, whispers of love This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long This is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. 
I am my Savior, am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Today's community connection could be a really, really challenging one. Because I want you to think about who you might think of when you think of your enemies. Those things that are hurting you, that are controlling you, that are keeping you from tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. This isn't easy. I recently had to do this myself, and I'll be doing it again this week because I think it's something that we can always do. But I had to do a gut check. I had to realize the amount of time and energy and effort I was putting into something that was negative in my life. And it wasn't healing, and it wasn't making me a better or happier person. When we are able to name those things in our lives, and then honestly do an inventory, and think about the amount of time and energy we are pouring into our sense of feeling that something was unfair and wrong, Our thinking about it is not going to change it. Our focusing on it is not going to change the reality of what happened. And so by being open and honest about it in our lives, we are better able to then move beyond it. Now, we're all human. We're all going to have those people, those places, those things that are just not going to be helpful. We're always going to have those people and places that are going to create a reaction in us, that are going to push our buttons. That's part of being human. We can't get rid of that. But we can be honest with ourselves about the amount of time and energy and effort it's taking up and what good things are not happening because we're focusing on something that just wasn't right or wasn't fair or wasn't good. I know people who have divorced someone, and years later, they're still stuck. They haven't moved beyond it. They haven't been able to process it. They get just as angry as they did at the unfairness that happened to them in their life. Now, having been divorced, I am fully aware of the process that one needs to go through in dealing with the anger. But if you don't get beyond it, you're never going to get beyond it. You're just always going to be there, and you're giving so much space to that. All of us will have those things. As I said, this is hard. This is really hard stuff. But when we give a place at the table to our enemies, then we're not experiencing life the way God wanted us to. So this is a deep emotional dig. This is a way to look at yourself honestly. I've done this. I've lived this. I don't have this together. When I preach this podcast, it's not because I'm some kind of super Christian who totally understands this and does this all perfectly. That's not who I am. I know when I am at my best, I'm able to move beyond those things that hurt me. And when I'm at my worst, I feel and play the victim role. 
This isn't about saying it was okay or it was all right what happened, but it's about not staying stuck. So it'll come up occasionally. It'll be part of your life, but it won't dominate it. What dominates it? What takes up so much space that you have to let go of and then work to let it go? You'll be happier. You'll be more centered and more content and you'll be able to move on. Again, this doesn't mean that you don't have to do it instantly. That's toxic positivity. Everything's good or everything's great. That's not it. But don't stay in the muck and the mud. Rise above it. Trust God. Find the wholeness and the healing and the fullness of life that God desires for you. Because then life will be so much sweeter. Amen. Thank you for joining me today for this Relentless Grace podcast. As always, I am grateful for those who have contacted me either through the Relentless Grace Facebook page or by emailing me at the Relentless Grace podcast at gmail.com. I am also grateful for the support that I receive through Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. It's a way to support creators and people who are doing ministries and outreach like this. I am especially grateful as this is an opportunity for me to pour my energy and my effort into this podcast while also being able to support myself. If supporting on Patreon doesn't work for you, you can also Venmo me at PVMamel, or you can contact me by email and I can share with you other ways to support this ministry. I am deeply grateful. As I say each week, this is awkward, but necessary. I'm also grateful for those who share this on social media and those who review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this. I'd like to thank those who have helped with this podcast. Dan McKnight is our announcer, Elizabeth Kieschnick, who is our reader, Cami Wenberg, who sang Blessed Assurance, and Ruth Skinner, who sings our closing song. I am grateful for all of the help and support on this podcast journey. And finally, I leave you with a blessing. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May you know the joy that comes when you trust God to set the table before you in the midst of challenges and difficulties. And do not let your enemy sit at the table with you, but rather enjoy the fullness of life that God intends for you by letting God provide the feast. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap will clap their hands and all the trees of the field will clap their hands the trees of the field will clap their hands the trees of the field will clap their hands as you go out with joy